When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Wolf Like Me Season 2 is over, but we are just getting started here on Post Show Recaps. That's right, it is full spoiler recaps, where we are binging a new season of a show every week and chatting about it in full spoilery detail in one podcast. I'm Jess Sterling, and today we are discussing Wolf Like Me Season 2, and I am joined here by my co-host, Grace Leader, who hopefully secretly isn't a werewolf trying to eat me. I'm secretly a pregnant werewolf. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Could you Incredible. pay like twenty five grand for a new door? Do you mind? I just got a. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the F room door. Yeah, the F room door. I don't want to talk to those people anymore who have the F room door. I'd rather I don't you go talk do it. to them either. Yeah. <laughs> Ever, honestly. Um, yeah, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast. Pushercaps.com slash full spoiler recaps is where you can do so. Of course, if you're not sure what we're covering here on Pusher Recaps, let me just say. It's a lot. We're covering a yeah. lot. Uh, yeah. And you can go check out what we're covering by going to posterrecaps.com slash subscribe. That's where you can find out every show we're covering. And th- there's just so many of them. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, you could do so by becoming a patron at posterrecaps.com slash Patreon. Uh, and before we chat too much about the show, Grace, we're going to actually, we're going to jump over. We're going to do a quick little interview Mm-hmm. With the creator, writer, director, and executive producer, Ab, uh, Abe Forsyth. Let's head to the Australian Outback. Hopefully it goes pretty cool and great and not dangerous at all. That's true. Uh-huh. There couldn't be anything. 
nothing dangerous in the Australian Outback, right? It's not like no. notoriously infamous for that. No, it's fine. Uh, so we'll be right back. And then we're going to come back and talk about this entire show in full spoilery detail. But for now, go enjoy our interview with Abe. We are joined today by the amazing creative uh, mind behind Wolf Like Me. We are here with Abe Forsyth, cre uh, creator, writer, director, executive producer. The list goes on and on. Abe, thank you so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Yeah, uh, Grace and I are really excited to chat with you. We we finished season two of Wolf Like Me. We have so many questions. Grace, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, Abe, I feel like one of the things you do really well is obviously the show is has this kind of, you know, this horror element of, of a werewolf, um, but also balancing that with comedy. I think Jess and I were both tickled at the scene where uh, we won't say the name of the device, but the song goes off during a rather intense uh, a scene. Um, but you balance this like the unknown of uh, Mary. She's hiding this relation, you know, the werewolf aspect in season two, the unknown of the baby, um, what is inside of her and how she'll handle what comes you know uh, whatever is born can you talk about finding the balance between comedy and then the, mo the more serious themes you've incorporated into the show it just all happened organically to be honest from season one into season two I, i've approached each season by just letting it tell me what it needs to be so rather than me trying to force it into something or a direction that it doesn't want to go in i i'm a big believer in once you start telling the story you have to keep listening to where it wants to go. So season one was a lot more, because there was a lot of, I mean, there was a lot of setup in season one. There was a lot to do with grief and, and trauma and setting up the, the, mm -hmm. the grief of those, those characters, all three characters, Mary, Gary, and Emma. So by virtue of that, it meant that just a lot more of it was, it was more of the drama side of, I mean, everyone keeps using dramedy as a way of describing the show. And it's more of the season one is much more of the drama. Um, and then season two, once I kind of started looking at taking the, the secret out into the world of, the, you know, they're going to have a baby and then all the things that come with that, all the interactions that they have to have with that. Mary's not locked in her house anymore. She's needing to cohabitate. She's needing to, to, yeah, interact with a lot more people and, then because of that a lot more comedy just started to find its way into season two so it was like okay well now we're just gonna how do we how do we bring the comedy in in a way which still feels tonally correct from the first season and it ended up being a really good exercise because we found that the comedy just added because there's so much more at stake in season two the comedy just adds so much of a release for the audience as well too it's like a pressure valve um so yeah, look, it was just a, it's just an organic thing. Every time I make something, it's it's you're you're trying to you're trying to find the tone, um, and at the same time, just kind of keep adjusting so you don't go too far. I think you've got to be in. For me, it's like you've got to be in danger of going just that little bit too far. And when you mm -hmm. find that spot, just make sure you don't go over it. Just mm -hmm. just like as close to that line as you can. You want to be as close to that's that. That's the end of that's the end of episode four of season two. Right at that line, I think. Right. <laughs> So that that is the that was that idea was the one that when I was in post on season one, before I'd gone into the writers' room to help break the entire season, that was the idea that I had that made me go, "Oh, I want to do this. I will. I will devote the next <laughs> half of my life to show again just uh -huh. to exercise." So yeah. 
It was an incredible moment. I don't think that anyone is expecting it. And to your point about the uh, letting it kind of tell you that it should be more comedic. I mean, when you have amazing actors like Josh Gad and Isla Fisher, who are comedic geniuses in their own right, acting these scenes out, I feel like it just probably comes naturally as well. It does. And then it's all about, it's a question of perspective as well, too, because without, you know, spoiling that scene, if people haven't seen it yet, there's a way that you can do that scene. There's there's a, a multitude of ways you could do that scene. The way we choose to do it is forcing you to view it through the perspective of the character that's forced to to watch right. what, yes. what. Right. Yeah. And therefore, that's the thing that makes it ridiculous and that's the thing that makes it funny. But it is actually, when you think about what's really going on, that's a really tragic, full-on thing that character has to go through. But they're completely powerless to do anything other than just stand there and watch it happen. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's, you know, the idea is ridiculous, but the way the way it's executed and the, the actor that is... Josh is very good at giving reactions to things. Like, it's one mm-hmm. of the... Th- a bunch of times now it's one of those things where if you give him something to react to that's absurd or over the top or ridiculous he's got a very good face to receive that that humor from Mm -hmm. i want to be in the room i think you talked about an interview you wish you could be in people's living rooms as they were watching that scene i want to be in the room when you gave this scene to your sound effects people (laughs) (laughs) actually the thing that i when i had the idea i spoke to my um wayne pashley who's the the sound designer and one of the best if not the best um, sound designer we have in australia um and yeah i i asked him (laughs) Is this possible? Could could we? Because we're not see it, but we need to. There needs to be such yeah. clarity. Yeah. What we're what what this character is seeing. Can, is it possible? And he did stop for he stopped for like about <laughs> seconds, really thought it through, and then just he just pissed himself laughing and was like, "That's <laughs> I've never been asked to do that before. That's gonna be that's gonna be incredible." <laughs> it really it did pay off. I have to say. Yeah. Um. So. Between the incredibly named late Sir Anthony Hopkins uh, and Emma reading Watership Down and, of course, the opening credits, we noticed a fair bit of of bunny imagery this season. And, of course, we all know in literature, a white rabbit is usually like curiosity, adventure, but an animal that is also uh, a famous animal of prey. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the, the choice to include so much bunny imagery in this season? Yeah, that was, look, again, that was just something that came by organically as I was writing the, uh, breaking the script, but then um, the actual sort of, well, actually a couple of things happened. That house that's in the uh, the show, the, the exterior of the house is real and we built the interior completely. Mm. So, and we purposely built that house so we would never feel like we were coming back to the same location. The house was built that every scene has a, a different angle and a different way of, uh, as a way of not making it boring for the audience, but also as a way of continually revealing things around the house. There was some beautiful stained glass windows in the real house, which gave us the inspiration to include the stained glass windows in our set. And there was one that had a, a rabbit in it. And that was in kind of, that then led to the idea of the rabbit being included in that way, led to Watership Down, us using the the Bright Eyes, the track from Watership Down, the Paul Simon track at the end of it. And also just, and this is something that we started to explore in this season, and if we do get another season, is is something that we're going to explore a lot more. Like just looking into, like you said, the rabbit represents a lot of things. The pig, you know, shows up at the end as well mm-hmm. too. Uh, in fact, we, you know, we obviously end the show on on the pig. Mm-hmm. Um, like, yeah, just making sort of 
there's a and there's a story. There's a, like a like you said, fall, like falling down the rabbit hole. There's like a story, kids' story, fable. Mm-hmm. You know, we have three kids in there as well too. There's like just like tying it back to those kind of yeah, those in a weird way. It's a, it is a fairy tale. It's kind of a, a messed up fairy tale. This show. So those are like the OG fairy tales. They, if you ever read like the Brothers Grid, they're pretty. Yeah. they're pretty gnarly. Those ones. Yeah. Right. Always have a message, but they get yeah they get intense. Yeah. I those to my son actually, um, and you know there's yeah so it's like it's just I don't want to specifically say what it, things like that mean to me, but it's, it's I'm like I enjoy seeing that people get all sorts of different meanings from it. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I was interested we we've we've done our recap uh, uh, we've talked about it, and the thing that I find really interesting is that there's a way in which I think you've talked about this that the relationship is almost perfect except for this thing about her that's that's extremely dangerous and yet you play around with the idea a lot i mean in season one they're they're kind of meant to be they keep crashing into each other literally crashing into each other and metaphorically crashing into each other um can you talk a bit little bit about about that like this is like sort of like it's fate it's it's meant to be in a sense and yet all of the things that come were, were you you know that idea to keep that in there that the faded nature of their relationships bumping into each other like um yeah, yeah. And also the question in season two as well. I think, you know, where where you could look at all the signs trying to bring them together in season one, season two is like they're, they're meant to be tested. So right. it's that argument that, that gets um, brought up, which is maybe the universe is actually trying to, to tear us apart. I look at it more as, well, no, it's actually trying to test you because if you can get through all of the obstacles in season two, then when you get to the place you, you can both be parents. Like, it's like, it's really putting them through the ringer to find out if they're going to be able to weather what's going to happen next. And what happens post the show, you know, obviously it, it, it doesn't sort of wrap things up this, this season. And, you know, ideas and things that have been discussed about where this show will continue to go and, and potentially wrap up. Um, I really wanted to feel like they are a, they, they can, they can take on anything, but, the obstacles keep getting greater and greater. So it's, um, yeah, it's, 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 I don't know the right way of describing it, but I like, lo- I loved like, you know, all the sort of imagery too of like, you know, crashing together and we use violence and sort of slapstick and, and, um, things like breaking like constantly through both seasons. And that's also just a fun way of kind of exploring this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I would be remiss if I did not ask you about the music on this show because Throughout seasons one and two, it feels like it plays such a big role, both in bonding Emma and Mary together, but also we have, you know, Gary singing uh, Don't Dream It's Over to Emma when she's a kid to make her feel better. And then again, at the end of season two, can you talk a little bit about the influence of music in the show? I mean, Fortress gets brought up so many times. Yeah, well, look, that was, I mean, in Fortress, that track was one of the things that really guided me writing season one and you know i discovered that track at a uh at a kind of a random moment in my life and it really really spoke to me it really took me by surprise and and so i ended up incorporating it into the show which then also led to all of the stuff about melody melody gardo in season one as well too and and then that was like okay well maybe this is a this is an interesting thing to explore the idea of kind of music, what music can teach you, how it can be healing. You know, Gary is someone that is, has, has because of what's happened in his life, um, a, you know, stopped having con- a connection to music, but he had a very profound connection, obviously through the Crowded House song. 
So there was that, that was a really lovely idea of like Mary giving him the opportunity to, to sing again and get back in touch with that side of himself. So it was fairly, you know, those are the three key tracks in season one. And this was another example of, you know, you keep listening to what the show tells you it wants to be. It just, I just really wanted to keep exploring that, you know, much further. I think we had like seven or eight like tracks that we used in season one. I think we've got like 25 or 26 that we use in season two in various ways. And the idea of telling the story through the music, if you just actually look at all of the music, there's the obvious tracks like Here Comes the Sun, um, obviously mm-hmm. the Nirvana. The Nirvana track when that shows up later, Queens of the Stone Age appears actually a lot more in season two than it does in season one as well. But um, there are a lot of other hidden kind of Easter eggs that are there through the music, and there are you know things in various songs that actually tell you different parts of the story that might be hidden away as well. So it's a lot of fun being able to go through and dig up music to make the, make you feel something emotionally. It's such a, in terms mm-hmm. of balance. This goes back to what we were talking about before mm-hmm. music does an incredible job of just like putting you in the real world. It's really amazing how when it's a song that you're familiar with, Bright Eyes is the perfect example, um, putting it in the context of what's gone on, which is ridiculous, suddenly makes it that much more tragic and that much mm-hmm. more powerful. So, yeah, it's really, I, it's a thing that I, I kind of, I can't make anything now without music being an integral part of it like that. I, I, lo- I love, um, Emma, played by uh, Ariel Donahue, who's who I think it's like, you know, I know Josh Gann. I know Isla Fisher. I did not know uh, Ariel before the show. I think she's really tremendous. I really love her character arc over the course of these these two seasons. I love for me, like when you when you're a kid and you find music and it's saying these things that you have no idea how to express and it gives you this emotion and feeling. And I love that. Basically, that's what Mary gives Ariel, right, is this way to communicate with people. She is having a tough time communicating. She has anxiety um, and is not talking to folks, doesn't have a lot of friends. And so her being given the power of music, I think, is is really cool and a really powerful theme coming out of the show. Um, you talk about there being secrets in the in the music. Um, I mean, obviously, the season ends on a cliffhanger with the police showing up outside the door. Um, I'm sure you can't tell us exactly what happens. I'm interested. Is this a show you talked about learning what the show is and telling you what the show is? This is a phrase we use on Post Show Recaps a lot about let the show tell you what it is as you're watching it. Um, uh, you learn from the show and you learn its quirks and then, then it can surprise you when it tells you. But do you have a general idea of where the show is going to, to go? How many seasons sort of where the landing place is? Or is that a thing you want to continue to let? the show guides you there? Uh, yes, I, I do. Um, yes, it is a case of letting the show continue to, to guide me. Um, when I came up with the ending of season two, it didn't actually end like that right up until about week five of pre-production. Mm. Um, and it just presented, I was changing something in the final two episodes something very key. I took something out that I didn't think was working and didn't feel right for our show. And then the opportunity to bring the police back in appeared. And then if we were doing that, it was great. Oh, this is a fantastic tension to add on top of what it already is. Um, uh, a, lot, a lot of conflict and tension with what's going on with the baby and Sarah and Ray finding out about Mary. Mm-hmm. Um, and then once it appeared, it was like, oh, my God, that means I have to end it like this. And then that also meant, because it was a lot more closed, it was a lot more of a closed season mm. two than, than it ended up being. And I really did have to ask myself, I had an idea before about what season three could be, but then this ending has now turned it in a completely different direction. 
Um, and look, anything can happen. You know, I, there's all sorts of reasons why shows do get renewed or don't. You know, I do understand that, but yep. we have the writers' room recently, and I've got more work to do in there. But already, where a potential next season of this show goes, I've had that similar reaction that I was talking to before about the idea that maybe go, oh, I've got to do season two. There already there's something in the middle of season three which isn't it's it's not as it's not as shocking or as funny as that it's actually way more serious and way more emotional um, and tragic which has already made me go we have to make season three so I can film this so it's a it's another shock but it's in a completely different um, uh, way so yes there's there's a there's a there's there's a lot of questions about what could happen after this. It, it has spurred a lot for Jessalyn as we talked to like, I think the first thing just asked me is like, so is it a werewolf? Is it a baby? What is it? Like, I think it, I think. And then yeah. on top of that, that's not even mentioning that the police are outside. So I think it's yeah. Yeah, you've left it in a very interesting place. I'm always interested in when, you know, the idea of a much more closed ending or something that is open and leaving you to like, if that's it, how frustrated we'll be, if that's it, hopefully it's not it. We really enjoyed watching the show. So I would be, if I was watching, cause I love this show. I made it for, for me as I'm as much as yeah. I made it for everyone. That was where the show might be very unsatisfied. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. Unsatisfied. But I like the bold take to to this is the this is the best story. And I love the the thing of something from you know happening that we've kind of forgot about. There are there are real life implications to you know what well, happened exactly. in the, the outback. So yeah. Right. Yeah, there's, there's always the reality that he's always gonna smack them in the face, no matter like, right. you know, what situation they find themselves in. Right. Uh, yeah. It's um yeah, I really, I really do hope we can continue the story. But yeah, yeah, here's hoping. Fingers crossed. We enjoyed it, and I mean, I would definitely watch a season three. I'm, I'm so fat. I'm like, how are they getting out of this situation? <laughs> we have so many terrible things all kind of happening at one time. On the bright side, if you, if you want to be an optimist, hey, at least Sarah and Ray believe them now. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. One problem that's been solved. Um, yeah, look, I've been, interestingly, I've been watching a lot of Breaking Bad with my son because he, oh, he's Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are going to react strongly when I say this, but like he's only twelve years old, but he was <laughs> dead. And he's he's had the I've had the best time watching it with him because I'd never rewatched it. And I must say, one of the things that that really gave me the confidence I didn't I knew I didn't have the answers immediately when we wrote that ending in, but one of the things that gave me the confidence was studying Breaking Bad and Vince Gilligan's kind of philosophy of. Mm-hmm writers and writers rooms and things like that which is you need to put yourself into the corner where there's absolutely you can't imagine how they're going to get out yeah and you figure it out and we have figured it out and it's incredibly satisfying what we have figured out um but the point is it needs to be impossible before it becomes like possible so this making it as impossible as possible yeah like when a weird man says that you can have the door back for twenty five thousand (laughs) dollars Yeah, it's a bold move. And what I appreciate because not everybody would be willing to do that without a confirmed season three to be able to kind of continue that story. But I always love when when people are willing to kind of put themselves out there with a a bold ending. I think you've got to, this is also speaks back to, you know, how we make this show. You've got to keep rolling the dice. You've got to keep like, like making things tough for yourself. You've got to keep challenging yourself. My producer, Jody Madison, um, and I, have this thing with all, all the things that we produce together. We always talk about there needs to be the element that you haven't done before that's going to force you to to kind of rise up to the challenge. Because if you are challenged, if you're challenging yourself 
it keeps you so actively engaged and thinking about it all the time and questioning. You need to be questioning your choices constantly in order to keep finding the right ones. And this is another example of like, well, you know, certainly season three wasn't renewed, like going into working on this, but it's like, I want to set, but it's, it's like, I'm kind of challenging myself to it actually mm-hmm. happening. I love it. Yeah, it's great. Well, Abe, thank you so much for chatting with us today. We really appreciate it. It was really interesting getting to hear all your insights about the show yeah. and fingers crossed that we get to see this bold moment in the season three. We're really, we're really hoping for it. We're pulling for it. Brilliant. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you so much. Thank and you. have a good one. Bye. Hello, it is Ryan. And I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, it is Ryan and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Okay, we're back. What a great interview that was, Grace. Very fun. Very fun to chat with uh, with Abe. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but we haven't. We have to talk about this show because uh, mm-hmm. you know this is a situation where we talked about this in the lead up to this podcast where we're coming in late. We're coming in for a season mm-hmm. two, so we're not just gonna we're not gonna leave you high and dry. If you just listen to this because you like Grace and I, first of all, thank you Thanks. so much. That's great. <laughs> Surprising. Very surprising. Why are you here? Um, but we're gonna do you the service, the the honor of uh of also telling you a little bit about what happened in season one to kind of set you up for season two. And Grace, you're gonna do that by means of a quick plot recap. Isn't that right? Let me do it. All right, in season one, we meet Gary. He's a single father to Emma. Uh his wife has died, her mother has died. They're not exactly getting along. Gary tries. She does not seem impressed with her father. Um, She gets frustrated often, but she does seem to bond with Mary, who is a woman they meet when their cars crash into each other multiple times. So Um, many times. Their driver's licenses should be revoked, to be honest. (laughs) 
They just have their insurance people on speed dial. Is it a speed dial thing? Not really. Yeah. All right. No. You could favorite. Yeah. You could favorite people. Showing my age. Mary and Gary start a relationship, but must get over one pretty major hurdle. Mary is a werewolf. Uh, season one ultimately culminates in Mary killing two men while the three are on a trip to the Australian Outback. She tells Gary, then he becomes okay with it to a degree and then the thing is like they're going to tell Emma she finds out whether in the Australian Outback she also finds out she's pregnant that's where we basically open up season 2 a pregnant Mary and Gary try to navigate their relationship including dealing with Gary's sister-in-law and Mary's werewolf ex-boyfriend the couple move into Gary's home and have to renovate the basement including repurchasing the doorway from Mary's old home for $25,000 for some people who seem to want to use it as an F room Mary's ex-boyfriend shows up and the two end up locked in the basement and have sexual intercourse while Multiple Gary times. watches. Yep, many, many times. Yep, didn't even know wolves could cuddle. Gary tries to figure out how to protect both Mary and the baby. Uh, this creates incredible frustration and stress all around. Um, his sister-in-law and brother-in-law are getting increasingly worried about Emma's safety. Confront them where ultimately they're going to find out that Mary is in fact a werewolf. But just as they're trying to take Emma away to safety, Mary goes into labor. Labor and in the finale, Mary gives birth to a little baby wolf. But that is wolf like me. Seasons one and two. Yeah. We, I mean, it's a pretty wild, <laughs> it's a pretty wild thing that happens. Like, uh, obviously, like I think- Like werewolves? Like werewolves? Pretty wild thing that happens? I mean, the whole birthing scene yeah. situation, like they're rushing to get her down to the basement in time as she's like literally changing. Her features are changing into that of a wolf or a werewolf, I guess. Yeah. And I mean, and not to mention the fact that they're also under investigation for the death that oh, happens yeah. at the end of season one. And the cops are kind of arriving all at the same time. They're already being, they're already acting very suspiciously. And uh, yeah, and obviously this is like the wrong time for everything to be happening. But yeah, I guess my first question for you, Grace, is if there is a season three of the show, yes. do you think that the baby that Mary gives birth to is like her? Like, does it only transition in the full moon will it go back to being a baby after the full moon is over i think so i think that the baby is also a baby werewolf i think that that is you know i the thing that i'll say about this show is you know the episodes are pretty pretty quick they're like 22 to 30 minutes like the 30 yeah. minutes is about the longest we ever get them maybe we don't even get a 30 minute episode over the course of two seasons and i feel like my expectation going into it is that it obviously they're like the the lead actress. I actually think all the the three central actors are all really good. I think Josh Gad, Isla Fisher, and um, uh, her name is Ariel Denoke. I think it's is it Donahue? I think that's Donahue. Oh, it might be Donahue. I am so sorry. The spelling no, of that okay. made my yeah. brain turn to motion. It's like when you see the name Siobhan written out, you're like, how? Or you know? Sorsha, yeah. that Irish yeah, 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 actress. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, yeah. how? Yeah. How? How does yeah. that equal that? Yeah, I believe this is Ariel Donahue. Um, I think they're all really tremendous and really strong. And there's a way that this show. You know, it's a, you know, the werewolf thing is a full on metaphor, as we will talk about with we did talk about with Abe, uh, you know, a metaphor for the baggage that you bring into a relationship. I think I had a little bit of like hesitancy that this show would lean into the dramatic side of what's essentially a drama, a comedy drama. Right. Like yeah. it, they're dealing with like things that are and, and like horror, which like typically 
sides onto like the drama aspect of like a you know the the genre but i feel like the show actually is really self-aware as to what it is in a way that i really like there is a scene in the finale where gary josh gad's character there she's been in labor for a really long time and they had planned the they tried to plan the labor and like a c-section and put her like induce her so that mm-hmm. she would not have the baby while she's a werewolf very smart plan but as she's been in labor for a long time and it's getting close to being like a full moon, he goes to the doctor and he's like, <laughs> listen, I can't really explain more in more detail, but my dad is a minor and we have to go see him and we have to take the baby that's we about to, to be born. We have to bring the baby how, into a cave. How safe is it after a baby is born to have a baby in a cave? And the doctor's like, yeah, I, I think you guys should stay in the hospital. You're just really tired, I think is what he says. Like, you haven't slept. Like, let's talk about this after. So I feel like the show, even in season one, I do feel like the level to which Emma hates her father is very funny. And I know that, like, maybe sounds set because this is a child who is dealing with the death of her mother. It's been, like, seven years. She doesn't really, you know, she has memories kind of of her mom, but mostly yeah. she's just kind of, like, stuck with her, like, kind of cheesy, hokey, trying his best right, dad. But, mm-hmm. but at the same point in time, I mean, the stuff that Emma's dealing with is also really serious because she's Agreed. dealing with, like, anxiety, depression, panic attacks, yeah. and not, not, you know, insignificant is to say... Gary left after the death of his wife. Like he was full on gone for like six months. And at which right. point Emma was staying with, uh, you mentioned previously the, the sister-in-law and, and her husband. Mm-hmm. And so that is like a huge deal. And I think what kind of holds this show together in parts where I feel like other shows could have fallen apart a little bit more is the strength of the acting on the show. And yeah. I think like not in small part to Ariel Donahue, as you point out, Famously, kid actors usually aren't my thing. We all know this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I felt like Emma was a very strong character because a lot of her acting has to happen in quieter moments just yep. by facial reactions, just by, you know, physical uh, comedy or, you know, physical acting more so. And I thought she did a really great job in both seasons. I especially really enjoyed about season two, her relationship with Mary. I thought it was really interesting. I thought that her and Mary connected in a way that her and her father couldn't. And it was a bond about music and about like literature, right? Like, basically creature comforts that we all kind of use to help ourselves. Yeah, creature comforts. Um. But it's, yeah, it's a ridiculous, (laughs) it's a ridiculous concept. And there are times that it doesn't work for me. Um, I'm looking at the moment where Mary as a werewolf pees on Gary's late wife's photo. Like, did we need that? No, Um, but it happened. And I do think it's a, it's an interesting idea. Like you said, Grace, if we're looking at being a werewolf as a metaphor for the baggage that you bring into a relationship Let's be real. Mary and Gary both have a lot of baggage they're bringing into this relationship. They've both had prior marriages that didn't end well for either of them. Uh Um, It's a really, it's a tough uh, idea to put into place. And I think what's interesting about season two is we get Gary kind of like having a little bit of a moment or having a little bit of a hangout with um, one of Emma's, Emma's only friend, her yes. parent, her mom. Yes. And I think it's kind of there to show us like, this is what Gary's life would be like if he was with someone who was actually just kind of normal. Yes. 
and that the dick i do think like one of the things in season one is that it doesn't take gary very long to be okay with the fact that mary is a werewolf and um she you know she has a you know we joked about the basement thing which i didn't really re realize apparently is like not a thing australians don't have basements it becomes a central, so much yeah it becomes a very central thing in season two that um like we don't have a basement why would have a basement which seems like why not just say yeah we have a basement but nevertheless i i I do think the metaphor worked more than I was expecting. I mean, the scene about when she pees on the photo, I, okay. I, yes, I'm like also like very silly, but also there is this thing that the show is doing that I'm, I don't know. They don't have very much time to really do a lot of stuff. These are six and seven episode seasons that are 22, like to 30 minutes. And I feel like in an hour-long drama, we would maybe play with the idea more. And and Gary is really hung up on this. And this is the end of season, like into season two, when he's like, no, no, you looked at us at the end of season one and you you didn't attack us. Like you only attacked the two men. And she's like, yeah, because I ate two men already. <laughs> you know, like I do think yeah. it's, there is this thing that I'm at least intrigued by of how much she is her when this yeah. when she is a werewolf that i do think the peeing on the picture is this idea that he's saying like there is you as part in of there you. and so yeah. like in that moment you're like being a little jealous or and you're letting it like kind of take over you but in the same time we're getting all of these moments right where where we're trying to see you know now there is a little baby this is a big concern at the beginning of season two is what happens if i have this baby and then i eat the baby is basically <laughs> a big concern of the show which again sounds ridiculous but i do think it like i don't know it worked for me in a way because i feel like it's fully leaning into its campness to it yeah so, I don't know. No, I agree with you. I had the same kind of wonder about Mary and her psyche as a werewolf when in the very beginning of this season, you know, like Gary's like, oh, I'm going to make the best basement for you ever. Yeah. We're going to have ambiance. We're going to have lights, a yeah. television. Bro, I hope you did not spend that much money on that TV for her. <laughs> TVs to just are pretty the cheap wall. these days. Yeah. I mean, relative, I mean you know that's I relatively that out, of, right. out of privilege yeah i say yeah that. i mean he did spend like 25 grand on a door so that's right uh, yeah he has money he's even where money. did he get that money i don't know um don't know. but uh but yeah and he makes this like basement and it's very high tech and he has this like app that locks the door and yeah. gary being gary accidentally unlocks the basement door instead of the front door and she escapes yeah. and yeah. we get this scene of her going into the nursery that they have just outfitted and sweet sweet little emma has given away her prized like a uh, wolf stuffed animal for new baby yes. to have yes. and mary as a werewolf completely destroys it and it made me wonder like okay is there a piece of her in there and what is it about is it about her her being terrified of having this baby and that's why she's acting out in that way um, I don't know. I mean, like, like Gary loves to point out, she didn't attack them in, in season one. In fact, she helped them. But mm -hmm. again, you could point, uh, you could also take Mary's side and say, well, she did just eat. She wasn't exactly hungry because she looked ready to eat Gary in this season when he was cowering under the table, trying to get her to like, listen to him. And one of my, one of my, 
one of my favorite moments this season, Grace, which mm -hmm. I told you about, was when he he knows music is the way to Mary's heart, which I think there is something to be unlocked there, in my in my opinion, right? Music mm -hmm. is a really, really important thing on the show in terms mm -hmm. of the connection between Mary and Emma and the connection between Mary and her late husband and yeah. all of that. Um, and he tries to get uh, a device. I'm not going to say the name because I don't want to send anybody's off um, oh, yeah. to play a song yes. for Mary. But yes. The device misunderstands him and plays the wrong song. And I, the that part got me. I thought I really appreciate the comedy moments of the show. And that one really did get me. <laughs> it was really funny. It's so funny. It's a serious situation that then is like completely undercut with the. Ah, the serious situation. Yes. Yes. <laughs> with the device playing. I can't remember what it's playing, but it's very, I thought it was very it's funny. It's the wrong song, whatever it is. And it is, yeah. it is really good. So I, I don't know. Like, I think there are certain moments, like you said, I do, I will have to say, I commend the show. In season one, we don't see Mary as a werewolf until the final episode. And when we do, it was like, whoa, okay, that is, that werewolf is something. I felt like in season two, they did a better job of, first of all, we got to see more of Mary as a werewolf, the, the mare wolf, if you will. Oh, um, nice. I, nice. Yeah. Wow, I'm mad that I didn't come up with it. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, sorry. I need to like, I'm just going to no, like pat no. myself on the back a little bit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, we do get to see her more. And I do think that the CGI and like the, the actual like practical effects or how, I don't know, whatever you call it. I thought they did a better job with it this season. I thought it was mm -hmm. more interesting to look at than the first season and then uh, the, the weirdest thing that grossed me out though was the the baby werewolf I, it was just like yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's like this weird little creature i don't know i was not into it mm. uh well you asked me you kicked this thing off with like what season three comes around is this a werewolf is it a wolf what's the deal what do you what do you what yeah. do you think i mean i know he's taught like um if or something other interviews that we obviously had interviewed him but you know he does feel like he thinks he can go as far in the show as long as he has things to say via the characters. I do think that adding a basically like a baby werewolf into the mix in terms of like Gary already has this like trying to be the protective father with that being yeah. an incredibly like challenging thing to do. And now on top of that, like you think about, uh, you know, a baby that potentially is like incredibly demonized. I, I think for me, the show is more interesting in terms of trying to hide the identity of of it and like this whole thing if the baby's a werewolf and not like a, a full-time wolf all the time you know i think that's more interesting and and the world that they've that he's created yeah. i think that's better but i, I think it adds another layer of complexity to mary as a mother right where not only is she attempting to parent emma who is just a, a human, just a normal human. Uh, so basic. Um, but she also is then also trying to like mold and train this new baby. Uh, hey, let's not eat people. Here's a chicken. Here's a rando pig that was going to die of disease anyway. Um, but also like putting your kid, like I wonder if we get an, a time jump, right? Like are we like, is I it more fun that so. it's a baby or is it like a kid who's about to go to daycare? It's like, I think the toddler. Any of the other kids. Yeah. yeah, werewolf uh -huh. toddler is more exciting to me, I think, because yeah. toddlers already feel a bit like uh like terrors, and then you add in a werewolf mix and it's just more interesting. Um, yeah, it's it's fascinating. And I mean, I feel like we've also just not talked about something that is really relevant and important to this season, 
there's another werewolf in the world. Like she is yeah. not the only one. I mean, mm -hmm. obviously she had to be turned into one, but we know another she one. She turned she turned him into one. She so, turned yeah. her like professor slash possibly ex-boyfriend type situation into a werewolf. And uh, I don't know. I feel like Gary feels a certain sort of way after having, I don't know why he watched so many times, but he watched them, um, you know, have werewolf sex many, many times, I guess, and then cuddle. And it makes me wonder, like, is there going to be a moment where if we do get a season three where like Emma or Gary are like, hey, you want to just turn me into a werewolf? Sounds fun. Probably not. But you never know. Abe was very excited for people to see this moment. I believe in a screenwriting interview, he had said, um, uh, this is the reason I made the second season going. People are just going to find this effing hilarious. I wish I could be in people's lounge rooms and watch them watch the ending of episode four. So. The noises plus Josh Gad's facial reactions did lend itself to being pretty, pretty funny. It's pretty wild. It's pretty wild of this, like, uh, this thing that's happening. Just like the extreme jealousy that Gary is already having because he's an incredibly handsome man, a well-articulate man as he makes the speech at the, mm -hmm. sh uh, the baby shower. And then... You know, he comes over and it's at the exact time where, like, they only have X number of minutes before, like, they're going to be werewolves. And so they have to, like, rush down together and thus, you know, get caught up in the moment, seemingly. Although, seemingly, at least Anton doesn't remember. And I think, I don't think. Mary, Mary claims that, that she never remembers anything she does as a wolf, which is why. I mean, I can only imagine how frustrating it would be to, like. Do something you don't remember and then have your significant other really angry at you as a result of something you did and then being like, I was a wolf. I don't remember. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I was happy when they did get the door back, though, because I felt like that was such a staple uh -huh. of season one. Whenever you saw that little thing in the center kind of like turn as it locked, yeah. you know, and they had yeah. that little bit of like a mail slot in there as well. So Gary could like peek in there. Mm -hmm. uh actually mm -hmm. it probably would have been better for him if he had the other door because he wouldn't have been able to see all of the I know. sex. i know yeah so mm -hmm. um yeah. but then yeah go ahead. go ahead no you go i was just gonna say the other thing that's really interesting about this though is that we now have uh his sister-in-law sarah and her husband who now know right they tried to tell them of course they didn't you know they didn't believe uh gary and emma and mary because would believe this uh until they witnessed it when she was going into labor so now they're in on this as well and they were really big in terms of helping out with emma especially on the what mary and gary referred to as their quote-unquote date nights date uh, night. which were just yeah. nights of the full moon which i looked it up because i wasn't even aware grace that a full moon happens like once a month pretty much which that's yeah. rough man <laughs> that once a month but you didn't know that full moon is once a month i just didn't think about it Mm -hmm. <laughs> I never thought about it, Grace. Do Pretty. you often think about the cycles of the moon? I I have a husky and I have a moon tattoo. Uh, okay, so, so then you have an unfair advantage. Unfair advantage. <laughs> I also played a lot of D and D with the with werewolves. I played a fair bit of D and D with werewolves and lycanthropy, as it's called. They never they never talk about. It. I feel like that would be so cool. They should be That's how it's pronounced. I've only ever seen it written. Or lycanthropy, maybe. Is it lycanthropy? Probably know. lycanthropy. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, either way, once a month, like, listen, a lot of us have to deal with something once a month, and it is unpleasant. This seems 20 times as unpleasant. Yeah, I am quite glad that that's never, like, it isn't, like, there's um the scene where Emma's therapist, like, this guidance counselor is like, we can use the metaphor. And she's like, and I was <laughs> like, she's, she's like, and so once a month, she gets really bad. And I, I don't know if the guidance counselor, like, is the joke sort of to assume that she thinks that, like, 
Mary gets really upset every time she has her period or not. But I think that's the only <laughs> time. I'm really glad that like that hasn't been like extended further, really, that it's not about periods. It's, you know, totally separate. But yeah, the sister-in-law, I really love them as characters. I, I love them so much. I like um the sister-in-law and the brother-in-law, especially. They're just like the nicest people. They take, mm-hmm. you know, Emma over for sleepovers a ton. Um, Seemingly never go over to their house because they never find out about the basement but yeah, um, what does this door go to nothing yeah, nothing we don't have a basement. <laughs> it's just our pantry that has a solid door that's like yeah. six inches thick but they're so nice and sweet and seem like great parents and then yeah the season two kind of culminates in this they're so worried about these people and you know i the thing that i wonder is because the show is a comedy and i do think it's better as a comedy but i do think there's part of this relationship in terms of like the werewolfness almost feels like there is a version of this show that's much more serious in the way that this is not a healthy relationship for either of them and yet i feel like the show tells us all the time like it's fate it's meant to be you know and i don't know it's so it's interesting because it it like plays with both of my like my moral thinking about things which is that like she is suffering from a thing that she can't be helped as far as she knows and that that is not like she should be able to like live a normal life as much as possible even though she has this thing and also at the same time like i feel like the metaphors of the relationship are like it's a really unhealthy relationship and so i feel like her sister-in-law's like fear about that is totally fair um i don't know it's just kind of like sometimes i feel like as much as i do think the show is like fun if i start like thinking about it too much i feel like the metaphor of like what 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 are they trying to say about relate what is he trying to say about relationships sometimes i feel like cracks under my scrutiny but i don't know i don't know if that yeah that's fair i it's you're right because part of you is rooting for mary and gary as a couple right part of you is like uh again the use of fate in this show of their destined to be together they literally keep crashing into each other in season one which Mm -hmm. is how they end up kind of getting into a relationship is they can't avoid each other basically Yeah. yeah um but on the other side of things it's like okay but there's also emma who is just a child who has already been through a really really traumatic thing in her life and is still kind of digging herself out of that hole if you will and then you're going to throw a werewolf into the mix and so it of course makes mary just an unreliable person and it's not her fault but she can't she she's unreliable like you don't know i mean obviously it's predictable in that okay it's when the full moon happens right but there's always a chance that she could somehow escape the basement and hurt you and emma's not even can't even be in the house and like uh, Sarah, who is the uh, the sister-in-law, like she points out, uh, you know, the reason that Gary uh, l- accidentally let out Mary in the first place was he was trying to get medication uh, for Emma to Sarah's yeah. house because right. Sarah's kid had thrown them all in the fish tank, which was a very right. funny moment. Yeah. Um, and Sarah said, uh, Emma was fine until I said I was going to come over here. And then she like really panicked. So what right. is going on? So right. it's obvious that as much as Emma, and this is why I think uh, I really did appreciate uh, the talents of Ariel Donahue of 
she puts up this very solid front of everything is fine. She really, really likes Mary. So I think she's willing she to throws her the baby thing. shower. It's so sweet. It's she's so like, sweet. Like, I know you didn't want this, but I like, yes. you know, we invited your work friends. It won't be more than two hours. You can still have date night. She's so sweet. She's so thoughtful. And she's very thoughtful about it. Right. Like she's like, yeah. she's made all of these parameters around it to make it work for Mary. And when they're in uh, there's an early scene with Gary and Emma in the car and Emma is kind of playing songs and Gary's like, what are you doing? And she's like, oh, I'm oh, yeah. making a playlist for Mary. Yeah. It's very sweet. Like, And it works when she's in, she's, she puts on songs. I knew you'd like this one. Like it's so yes, sweet. It's yeah. adorable. And so it's, I don't know. It's so tricky. I agree with you. And I, I kind of like how tricky it is that you want to root for Mary and Gary, but you're also see Gary with this normal person. And you're like, this is the life he could have if he wasn't with Mary, who's a werewolf. Um, so yeah, ultimately I will say like, I thought that season two, um, added some wrinkles in that were interesting, you know, with, we, we see Mary who would normally just run away from situations, right? She tries to run at one point, but she's so pregnant, like not going to happen. Uh, Uh, it's interesting. I think, I feel like it made sense for them to have Sarah and Ray find out at the end of this season. I don't know how many seasons you can go without them finding out, Mm -hmm. but the biggest wrinkle for me going into this next season, even beyond the baby, which is a huge wrinkle is like, how are they getting out of this, this police situation that they're in? You know, like it's very obvious that they're involved that, you know, the car gets, um, what is it? Uh, taken into custody for uh, evidence or whatever. So the problem is that they ride their car, but then they steal the jeep. Uh, right? They steal a jeep. No, uh, the problem is that Gary told the cops that it oh, was they Mary's towed, car they had, and, and they, they didn't. towed the car back. Though that's how they get back, right? Or they jump the. They use their. They jumped it. The they car? used the dead people's car to jump their car. But the problem is Gary lied to the cops and said it was Mary's car, but it was his car. And they right. see it all dinged up and are like, "Hey, what happened to this?" And Mary left a gun in the glove compartment because she said, "If I ever turned into a wolf and tried to eat my baby, you could kill me." Um. So now mm-hmm. they're like, and the cops pull up just at the moment, and Mary had literally just given birth to a baby wolf and is downstairs as a werewolf. So, like, all of these things are kind of happening at once, and I'm very curious to see if they get a season three, how they're going to unravel all of that. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is one that they yeah i i really like when shows box themselves into corners when like kind of unexpectedly here towards the end of season two he gets called in to see the cops and they bring up the fact that these men have died the thing is is like there's the thing that it's an animal attack so i do feel like to a degree is there a way that they can kind of like they can figure out some story that both implicates that maybe they did something wrong but also like yeah but then wolves like coyotes came out or coyotes in australia kangaroos came out and ate them i don't know you know this yeah. show really should have been a wear kangaroo story really story. well that's the silliest part that was the thing that really the first thing i found out about the show was like oh it takes place in australia oh yeah. i was like oh okay great isla fisher on it makes sense no she's an american on the show and so she a native australian has to cover up her accent with an american accent even though she's in australia it's very fun yeah although she she's like her parents were like she's born her parents are like scottish and then she moved to australia right and then she moved did she no she she lived in australia for a very long time yeah yeah that's she has pretty an australian accent yeah that's that's very interesting. Yeah, that's pretty funny that yeah. she plays. Yeah, anyway. yeah, it's great. Uh, um, so would you yeah. like to see her husband on the show? Do you know who she's married to? She's married to one Sasha Baron Cohen. I feel like he'd be a great I addition. Know to this. that that would like be, be fun. Great. Even mm-hmm. like a cameo would be fun. Yeah. Um, no, I I I liked it. I I did enjoy it. I mean, I do think like, is it the best TV I've seen all year? Like, no. 
but I find that like, you know, Jess, you and I do a lot of podcasting here on post show recaps. We often look for shows that are sort of like what's worthy to talk about, uh, you know, what, what can elicit a, a conversation. And to me, this is one of, for me, this was like, you know, Josh Wiggler sometimes says he has shows that are just for him, right? That are like, he's like, I actually don't want to talk about it on a podcast. I just want to watch the show yes. and like enjoy it. And I kind of feel like I know I'm talking about this show, but in a way, the show is like just for me. Like, I, I don't know who else is watching it. I don't know who's going to join us and listen to season two. If you watch mm -hmm. it or just listen to us, whatever. But like, I kind of love that we found this little gem like that like, was like on Peacock that I don't think I might have otherwise ever watched. Or that, and it was like such a light, like show to watch. I know that sounds silly because it has so much like horror elements, uh, and like there is like the like goriness stuff to it. But to a, like, I could just like throw it on. It's like a twenty-two minute show, you know. I really did enjoy watching it. I will say, yeah, yeah, I do agree with you that gosh, there is something so magical about a show that is like thirty minutes or less. It is such an easy yeah. binge especially because both seasons only have like what seven or eight episodes like they're both so quick to watch and it really is it lends itself very well and i don't know maybe this is a maybe this is a segment we should incorporate grace into mm. this podcast is how does it play on a binge do we think this show should be a bingeable show and i would argue this is probably our most bingeable show that we've watched so far not just because of length but because i always felt like at the end of the episode I was watching, I wanted to hit play on the next one because it usually left it off, not necessarily in a cliffhanger moment, but in a moment that like propelled the story forward. And so I always was like, oh, should I just hit play on the next one? It's only 20 something minutes. I could watch well, another one. I, I think for me that because it was a show that, I, again, I don't think it's, I, I really think it's trying to mostly be comedy. And I, I think it's like a disservice to like, even be a comedy that doesn't have something to say. So I think he's, I think Abe Forsyth is trying to be a, a comedy that, and then he's trying to weave in these messages about like co how complicated relationships can be. And also trying to like implement humor into those analysis, which is something that like, there's a way in which like, I feel like if I sat down and tried to write like a six episode show, it's actually not that different from like Abe Forsyth. Like he gets, he plays with werewolves. Mm -hmm. There's this like supernatural element. There's this thing that we can all relate to the, like the, uh, the story of werewolves while also trying to just, play on this like this relationship thing of like they like it's almost perfect it's like it's almost and then there's just one thing about that person that you're like you're you're kind of like falling in love with that makes mm -hmm. it complicated and so i thought that even though it is you know emma has anxiety and it's like they, they've both lost partners there's like big themes and deep themes here but for me with a binge like this was a world that i was happy to like kind of move myself into for like you know if i watch three in a row that's like you know mm -hmm. you know what like just over an hour probably of like the time i love that i thought i think in a way that like a lot of times where i get annoyed that shows get released in binge is when it's like oh each episode is so worth like thinking and exploring and and, and yeah. i don't think show like elicits quite that it was more that it's like fun like i'm less annoyed when like you know comedies like if half an hour comedies get dropped as binge i'm like yeah that works for me like I, yeah because you, know, you don't need to, like, to stop down and let us let us something sink in over yes. time i know what you mean yes yeah so, this really yeah. lends itself well to the binge format so i was happy to watch it i watched it i watched season two i want to say over like two or three days like it was a yeah. pretty quick binge i i have a normally it would be very quick for me i have a lot of stuff i'm watching currently so that's probably why it got delayed by a day or two but 
I, I thought it worked really well in a binge format. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, same. Yeah. Should we do some superlatives? Let's do it. So uh, do we want to talk through our favorite character of season two? Hmm. This is really interesting because I think that my favorite character might actually be Emma. I think. <gasps> Mine is too. Wow, you chose I the just, kid, eh? I chose wow. the kid. That's what I'm saying. Like, if you didn't watch the show and you know me, like, you understand child actors generally aren't my favorite. Kids aren't my yeah. favorite. I just feel like she's the most emotionally intelligent character on the show. And she has such a warm heart that mm-hmm. anytime they showed her interacting with Mary, it always warmed my heart. And she got a friend. And not only she got a friend, Grace, but another reason she deserves best character is she stood up to a bully for her yeah. friend. True. And, and then Mary coming in like the, you know, like a true mother to Emma is like yelling at the friend. Did you even ask her side of the story? Yeah. yeah. And I was like, get her. Um, We're not doing worst character, but boy, Anton and um, the guy who has the door are up there for me for the worst characters. I would <laughs> pick guy. Anton just because he felt so just like smarmy and uppity. And I couldn't, his speech, how the audacity of you, my guy, to come in as her ex and be like, oh, by the way, can I give a speech at your baby shower? Like, absolutely well, he didn't bring a gift. not. He didn't bring a gift, so. Yeah, so yeah. get out. How about that? Gift or no entry. Wow. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. I hated him. He was the worst. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, he's pretty bad. He's pretty bad. Yeah, yeah. He's, he sucks. Uh, what about best Ooh. episode? Because this, this is, I feel like this is a tougher one, especially because I watched them all so close together. Yeah, this is really tough. Part of me, I feel like I'm going to like often be like the finale. <laughs> <laughs> so well, because it, it really is a good one, right? I know, and it's, it's the combination of often, you know like I think it's gonna it's gonna get some points because it's like the combination of things. So unless it's like disappointing, I'm often probably gonna give it to the finale. But I'm tempted to give it to episode four, which is at the end, which is where that is the that is where they have werewolf sex. sex. I'm gonna disagree, sex. and I'm going to say I think it's episode two. Uh, but I'm just going to explain it anyway. It's the yeah. episode where Gary accidentally unlocks the basement door because not Pretty only good. was it like very frightening in terms of, oh my God, could he get hurt? But also the comedy of the moment with the, with him trying to play the song and, it, and the devices playing the wrong song was very funny to me. So I'm going to choose, I think it was episode two that happened in. All right. I really Sir, Anthony, Sir Anthony Hopkins. <sighs> the, the, poor ra- ra- the greatest I rabbit knew- name of all time. I knew that rabbit wasn't long for this world and I was still devastated when it died. And they had the audacity to replace it with a gray bunny. That was a, that was an albino bunny. People are going to notice. I don't know. Yeah. Children won't notice. Maybe the adults will and they won't ask questions. Oh my God. It's a dirty bunny. Yeah. yeah, The scene with the, with the, with the wrong song is pretty good. Um, Mm -hmm. I'll go with episode four because episode four is the baby shower. I really, I, again, a thing, I think a thing that these shorter seasons really lose is that like, Man, we could get a lot more of like her coworkers, and we doubt like her one like BF seemingly oh, like so BFF. Funny. I love him, but I'm like, this is all we get of him. So I love it, and I love I love Emma planning the baby shower. I think it's a birthday party, but my baby shower, her planning it and being like so thoughtful that it's also date night. I loved it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the other thing that we always do is we rank the theme songs. Currently. The Continental from the world of John Wick is number one, mostly because the fall of House Usher didn't really have a thing. It was just kind of like yeah, a, it had a st- Yeah, it had a title card stinger. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Wolf Like Me is very interesting because the opening credits are never really the same. Like, it's the same song, 
Um, but it, it's uh, the song Light Clockwork by the Queen of uh, the Stone Age. But it's always like a continuation of the last episode. Yeah. Um. So for me, this is such a hard one because it's like it changes every time, which means you can't really ever get used to it. But the imagery also changed too, which I liked because it kind of is like Game of Thronesian, where you can pay attention to how things have shifted. You know. Mm, yeah. I. I think I know. Like we rated the Fall of House of Usher low, but I really liked the Continental opening theme song, and so I think like there's a chance that the Fall of House of Usher could beat. A lot of things. I, I, for me, it beats it beats Wolf Like Me. I, I don't think Wolf Like Me's intro is super strong. Um, and I think that like the yeah. dramatic notion of like the title card at the end of the episode is better than the Wolf Like Me intro. But I that, agree with you. I think that it's. I like the idea of right. having that one song and having it progress. But right. I also think for me, part of a thing with a theme song is memorability. And how much I remember it from episode to episode. And I don't really recall that much about this one. So yeah. I would agree. I would put Fall of House of Usher uh, above Wolf Like Me. Yeah. So I have the Continental, the Fall of the House of Usher, and then Wolf Like Me. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. And that's where we We stand. also did have... Um, last week we did the best dev. I don't know if you... Really, only Sir Anthony Hopkins dies, right? Oh, Was my right? gosh. Oh, and that pig, right? Oh, uh, the pig is alive. Yeah, there is a pig. There's some chickens. At the oh, end. no, the pig is still the pig is alive the at the end lawn, of the episode. Right? Yeah. yeah. I think it's got to uh, be the, I think it's got to be Sir Anthony Hopkins. That's the best, oh. best death for me. <laughs> Poor Hopkins, my little baby. Yeah. <laughs> oh, he's a little baby. Um, right. I will say something I didn't mention yet that I wanted to make sure I hit on is I do think this is a, a beautiful show in certain yeah. ways. Like yeah. the house they live in is gorgeous. The stain. Oh, my God. I, I don't want to yeah. say how much of myself I would give over just to have those stained glass windows in my house. They're really cool. Beautiful. Yeah. I, ju I just think it's like a really beautiful show. I uh, The I all setting being Australia is really interesting and different. Yeah. You know, we're so used to Grace being like, is it a New York show or an L.A. show? What are we getting? You know, mm -hmm. like that's pretty much that's what we get a lot of the time. You get an Australian show. Yeah. yeah, going down under. Yeah. No, it's so embarrassing. I can't do it. I like to talk Emma to Abe and then trying to do an Australian accent is not gonna. <laughs> I like that Emma has an Australian accent. I do like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, should we tell the people what is next? For Let's us? do it. Yeah, you want me to do one. it? Yeah, do it. Yeah. We are going to watch a show that, by the time you're listening to this, has already dropped on Netflix. So we are a little bit uh, behind, but that's okay. Uh, we are watching Bodies, which is on Netflix. It's super interesting. I watched the first episode already, and it's basically a crime, murder, mystery, thriller that's set over the course of like four different times. So um, I'm intrigued. Seems like it has some sci-fi elements. Yes. I, I really like the first episode. I'm very excited to talk about it on the podcast. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel like there it does lean a little bit sci-fi. I have seen, I think, three episodes at this point, and I, I, you know, I'm really enjoying it. I do think people should check it out if they haven't, although I might have a different take on this one, whether or not it should be binged. Um, mm -hmm. I might have some uh, opinions on that. So I'm really excited to check it out, though, and, and finish it up. Uh, Bodies on Netflix. It's a good one. It's a, what is it? 
eight episodes about eight. an hour a piece i think yeah they're longer episodes but yeah we'll give ourselves extra time to do it yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. uh but that's all we have to say on wolf like me again if you haven't subscribed please do so poshercaps.com slash full spoiler recaps is where you could do so and if you want to support the podcast and get some ad free podcasts out there there are some uh down the hatch i'm looking at you i'm looking at you who go to patreon.com slash recaps uh and that is where you can support the podcast which we always appreciate um grace can I just quickly, I want to thank uh, Abe Forsyth for letting us interview him and the folks at Peacock for helping us set that up. So uh, very cool to get to interview uh, folks who are behind the creative process of these shows that we're watching. So appreciate Abe coming on. Absolutely. Uh, and Grace, what else do you have going on? Where can people find you? Oh, a ton. Uh, you know, watching it's the fall of rome so rich and i are watching the tv show rome we're talking about talking tales from the loop i'm talking the morning show movies with ariel all sorts of stuff our flag means death so yeah i'm on social media at high from grace you can find me at the just sterling gosh uh josh and i are finishing up billions coverage uh beyond that i'm mostly talking over on shit 90 shows taught me where we finished up our dawson's creek coverage we are continuing our freaks and geeks coverage and very soon we're going to be starting felicity so that's exciting um but yeah that is all we have today uh so until next time you've been foil full (laughs) i couldn't even i couldn't even i couldn't even get through it i'm gonna do it again we're leaving that all in it's fine uh you've been fully spoiled you fully recapped Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay. Round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.